Adventure Time. This is a show where I, Pat, am getting my friend Ben to be a big, big fan of Adventure Time. Hey there, I'm Ben, and I currently am a fan-ish of Adventure Time. Oh, we're tacking an ish on now. Well, you started out with a big, big fan, and I just wanted to... I just want to set expectations here. I'm not a big, big fan yet, but I'm also not, not a fan. I'm I'm doing my best. And we have heard from plenty of people that they have started listening to Adventure Time because of your best. So I don't think you should be down on yourself one bit. All right. Thank you to all of those folks who are watching Adventure Time because of Podventure Time. You're my favorites. And thank you for listening to Podventure Time. You are my favorites for, you know, tolerating us. <laughs> for putting us in your pod hole. That's right. So today on Podventure Time, we'll be again listening to, or talking about rather, two new episodes of Adventure Time. We're getting further and further into Season 2 every week here, Ben. We're looking at Season 2, Episode 7, and Season 2, Episode 8, both of which have power in the title. So let's go ahead and just go straight into Episode 7, which is called Power Animal. Let's power through them. Let's do it. The first episode, Power Animal is the first of two episodes we'll talk to tonight that I would call Jake-centric episodes. Yep. The first of which is about... The premise of the, premise of the episode is that Jake and Finn start off the episode hosting a party on the roof of their treehouse. Looks like a good time, too. Yeah. The, the, all, all the people that Finn likes are there, for sure. I mean, in, in, and by that I mean basically Princess Bubblegum and Marceline the Vampire Queen. Right. Um, but sort of only ancillary. I mean, Princess Bubblegum has a line. I don't think I don't think Marceline actually talks. She's just sort of there. And a few other characters that we haven't met before. Cinnamon Bun, who is a giant cinnamon bun. <laughs> I didn't realize we hadn't met Cinnamon Bun before. No, we had not met Cinnamon Bun Cinnamon Bun before. At least not as a named character. Maybe that maybe they've been in, in scenes before, but I didn't I yeah. didn't remember. He's a he's a he's a candy person. Yes. Uh, part of the world that Princess Bubblegum reigns over. And a mystery character who is also at the party who is quite intrigued with the fact that Finn is a self-described dynamo who never slows down. Which is really pretty accurate. You know, uh, I guess we see Finn get into a sleeping bag every once in a while. I've talked about my feelings about that, but... As as far as energetic little boys go, Finn is an energetic little boy. Indeed he is. And he is impressive in his abilities. And this unidentified party guest is just thrilled to have met someone who has who has this amount of energy and is creepily thrilled about this fact. Yes, creepily thrilled. It turns out that Jake doesn't know this party guest and Finn doesn't know this party guest. In fact, neither of them know. Wow. Just you were good in last week's episode with the, with the puns and you have not slowed down a bit. 
I'm coming out of the gate strong. I love it. So, uh, with that amount of for- with with a little bit of foreshadowing, spoiler alert. With a little bit of foreshadowing. Now we will proceed on pun based spoilers here. We'll move on with our description here. The party ends, and Jen- Jake and Finn head to bed for the night. And Finn, in the middle of the night, is kidnapped by an unseen He's hand. Gone. An unseen hand is reaches out and grabs Finn. Jake wakes up in the morning to an empty bed over Finn's way and is mildly concerned, I guess we'll say, at the outset. I mean, it's, I guess it's perhaps fine that, you know, it seems that maybe usually they wake up at the exact same time, but... Yes, it seems unusual, but not particularly troubling. Right. And also we were dealing with the fact that Jake is not the most focused of animals. He's been, he was described at the party as, in fact, unable to focus. It's a personality trait that plays a big part in this episode. Yeah, it's, it's really what we explore about Jake in this episode, and it's the source of, well, aside from Finn being kidnapped, it's the source of the conflict in the episode because Jake's extremely powerful, and I think it's clear that if he wanted to, he could rescue Finn without too much trouble, but... The problem that we run into is that, in fact, Jake can't stay focused long enough to actually make his way to where Finn is and save him. Yeah, it's actually... Um, the, the What you bring up there is that Jake is so all-powerful that it actually brings up a interesting dynamic between Finn and Jake in that Jake could probably solve any of the problems that Finn and Jake encounter pretty handily being that he is a magic dog but yes but because of his inherent personality flaws he is equally suited or he's equally matched finn finn is actually a compliment to jake and not simply a afterthought to what could be a all-powerful Jake. You're right. Jake doesn't always use his powers to their full extent which is is good for the show because it allows things other than Jake kicking ass to happen and it's good for Finn because it allows him to go out and experience the world where he he's able to feel safe because I I think he's able to feel safe because Jake is with him but he knows that Jake isn't going to save his bacon at every single time. He has to build up some some toughness uh on his own. Well, yeah, and it's I think it's even more than that. I think there are times that because Jake is too lazy or too unfocused, Jake is genuinely put in danger and Finn has to save Jake. It's not just that Jake decides not to save the day that particular time. It's that Jake is truly in danger sometimes and requires Finn to save him. Yeah, and we've seen we've seen Finn flip out multiple times because he is at risk of losing Jake. Yeah. And this is maybe the the first episode where Jake has to do more than a simple stretch or grow or shrink to save Finn. It's going to take him an entire episode, and I think that that creates a really interesting plot. Yep, and we should get to the part where who has kidnapped Finn? It is. It is revealed that <laughs> three. Yep, three gnomes stacked on top of one another. Yep, little rascal style. The the three gnomes have were the were actually the guest, the mystery guest at the party who we thought was one person, is actually three gnomes wearing a trench coat, one of whom is the king of the gnomes, king of the underworld, the under realm. I can't remember what they actually call it. 
They have it. Sure. He, he he's basically just Papa Smurf, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, Papa Smurf. He, but he's an evil, maniacal Papa Smurf. Yeah, not not a nice communist Papa Smurf. Right. The gnomes have concocted, though, a elaborate scheme to reverse their fortunes and not just be the rulers of the underworld, that they get to become rulers of the overworld. I guess the sort of like the above ground world is, is what they really mean there. And they have designed a huge machine that is, it has a name that I've forgotten, but I, I think one of my favorite lines was uh, when Finn goes, that thing is that thing is crazy, man. And he goes, and the, the gnome responds, yeah, it is. But the engineering is sound. <laughs> like very, fa- very <laughs> matter of fact. And then we get this sort of James Bond villain exposition of the plot, which brought up my favorite line, I think, of the episode where the gnome is ranting and raving about, uh, you know, this, this machine and all the things that it can do. But it it needs a, the only thing that it needs is a tremendous power source. And we searched all over the world for a power source. And as the gnome is ranting and raving about this, Finn just goes, it's me. <laughs> yep. yep. He just cuts him off at the past. Says, it's Doesn't me. wait for the big reveal. Yeah. Finn just says, yeah, it's me. I, I'm the power I, source. I get it. I get where this is headed. You're telegraphing this whole story. So the, uh, and it is true. It is him. Yes, 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 it's him. Uh, they require Finn. They need Finn to be the battery for their machine. And so they hook him up to a series of energy draining apparatuses. Apparati? Apparatuses? Not sure. Apparatusata. Yep. And they are designed to suck the energy from Finn and power this machine in a series of steps which I found pretty funny. Like the first move was to charge the alternator on the machine. <laughs> and then they would move on to powering the actual fuel cells of the machine through several different means, all, all sucking different elements of Finn's energy. But as this evil dastardly plot is progressing, we have the counter plot of Jake trying to maintain focus long enough to go and save his friend, who at this point he has realized is missing and probably is in need of help. Yeah, Jake has legitimately decided that he needs to save Finn, but that even that is not enough for him to be able to remain focused long enough to actually accomplish anything. So Finn is more or less being tortured and forced to run and, and act out and provide energy for these gnomes while... Jake is distracted by things like a sandwich or a party with the water nymphs on a cloud. Or showing a lobster how to how to dance better, I think. Oh yeah, yeah, the dancing bug. Yeah, the dancing <laughs> bug. It was a bug, that's right. I mean he didn't make it like one step out of the door before he saw a bug dancing on the ground and he decided that he needed to tell he needed to show that bug how it was really done. And uh, That's right. all of these scenes I thought were hilarious. I think they're really good little um, <laughs> totally absurd reasons for Jake to lose his focus, of course. But uh, Yes, made... but I, they, were also, they were also really good insights into Jake's personality. Yep. Like they weren't just random, you know. It, Jake is out there looking for a good time, I think. And even when he has something serious to do, when a good time presents itself, well, Jake's just going to go ahead and, and have a good time. Yep. And the the one you mentioned, partying with the nymphs on the cloud, that is the culmination of his distractions. It's where he is, <laughs> he tells, I thought this line was great too. Um, the reason he's partying with the nymphs is because 
he comes across them telling jokes to each other and they're really bad at telling jokes like <laughs> like they get lost in the middle of one of their jokes and he decides he's going to show them how it's done so he tells them a a pretty pretty awful kind of pun based joke but then starts laughing and then we cut away and we kind of cut back and now he's just partying on a cloud. We're not sure how he got there. He's not sure how he got there. And they tell him, oh, you passed out from laughing too hard at your own joke. And so we, <laughs> and so we brought you here. Yeah, it's, it's a little like a montage in a movie where someone is drinking too much and they, they come to at a party or something like that. Jake seems to have gotten drunk on his own dad joke. Right. And so he arrives at this party. Who, and this party on a cloud is presided over by... The party animal god? Does he have a name? But more, am I getting that right? It's but it's a party god. The party god. His name is Party God, and to me, he will always just be the manifestation of Andrew WK in the world of Ooh. <laughs> yes, that's just who he is. When it is time to party, he will party hard. Yep, and he is a he is the manifestation of Andrew WK, visually represented. As a floating wolf head with a backwards baseball cap. Super extreme. Yep. Um, and, and the party god is so enamored with Jake and how much Jake is into partying that he decide, that the party god decides to grant Jake a wish. Party god so, is an awesome god. Yes, he is. And so at this moment, we have another moment in time. Even though Jake has screwed up and has failed to go and rescue his friends... We now have a deus, a real deus ex machina way where Finn or Jake could save Finn with the wish of the party god. And even this that, is a problem. <laughs> even that is a problem. He doesn't quite do it right. Yeah, I, I could just sort of see the stay puffed marshmallow man walking slowly through Jake's brain as he's trying to control himself and focus enough to, to wish that Finn is okay. Right. But instead, he doesn't quite, he doesn't hit the nail on the head. Instead, he wishes, uh, I know what the, re, I know what the, um, the reaction to the wish is, but what does he actually wish, for? what does he actually wish for? It's something along the lines of, oh, I'm going to lose it, but the, the net net of his wish is that the party god instills Jake with the energy or spirits of a thousand party animals. A thousand yeah. party, a thousand party demons. Actually, I think is what it's referred to as, and makes him an all powerful party animal, and that that will crush anything in his path. This basically turns Jake into a giant, a giant dog with stars, strobe light stars for eyes, who is just ODing on partying essentially. But yeah, it it, it, it reminded me of Mario when he uh, runs into a star. Yeah, very much so. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, that's very much what he's doing. He is star-powered Jake and is kind of out of control of his own body, but I think just from his just from his inner desire to find Finn, uh his crazy wanderings end up bringing him to Finn in the end and he comes crashing down through the roof of the gnome lair and smashes all the machinery uh and sort of without even thinking about it, rips apart all of the machinations of the gnomes, squashes them, and through all of this energy ex expenditure, I think uses up the energy that the party god bestowed upon him and returns to his normal form. 
where he comes to and sees that Finn is there. And sort of haphazardly, he has saved Finn. Yeah. It's uh, it's interesting to me that the the physical feats that Jake performs in smashing up the gnome's doomsday machine are are all things that Jake probably could do just as normal, stretchy, very powerful Jake. So it's almost like the party demons or the the, the party animals that have in, infused have been infused into his soul have instead of making him less focused they've made him actually more focused because when he's just regular old party and jake he's not going to go find finn but then party god gives him the spirit of a thousand party animals and that is what actually gets him to the location where finn is so that he can wreak this havoc and save him yeah that is true i yeah that's fair he is he didn't have powers as a party god or as a party demon more so than he normally would I kind of got the sense that he was a little overpowered, more powerful than he usually was. But Yeah, he but was yeah. flying. I think that's not normal. Uh, they've flown before, right? I don't know. Maybe not. But yeah, you're right. Like He didn't do anything that he normally probably couldn't have done. Uh, but he certainly was focused enough to find Finn in this instance, and he did save the day. But I think in true Adventure Time style, learned nothing from the trial that he went through. He basically was literally deus ex machina out of his problem yeah jake has a real issue with focus going into the episode and i think he has the exact same issue with staying focused leaving the episode yep so in true style neither jake nor finn learn a lesson but they do save the day yeah and, and as they're escaping there's a there's kind of a throwaway line that really got into my head as they're leaping out of the underworld i don't remember who says it but either finn or jake says let's go eat cinnamon bun (laughs) and and that was like whoa wait a minute is it okay to eat candy people is it ethically okay to eat candy people or is this just a joke that they are telling one another because they know that it's completely out of bounds to eat a candy person i was uh I don't know. I got all up in my head about that, whether Finn and Jake actually would eat a candy person. I think the answer to that is no, but I'm not clear on whether it's a knowing like, yeah, we would never eat a candy person, obviously, haha joke, or something kind of more mean-spirited where it's like, yeah, guess what? Cinnamon bun is edible. We just don't do it because we're nice guys. <laughs> we could murder cinnamon bun at any moment. But right, he's chosen just a piece not of food. To. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've seen. Yeah, is it morally wrong? Does the does because the does the food being actually encourage you to eat them? It, because that's actually their purpose for being. Perhaps their innate uh, the fact that they are food. Maybe they have a desire to be eaten. That could we be. Don't know. I, I, I will say that I've never seen Finn or Jake eat a candy person. So as far right. as I know, it, it's at least frowned upon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we established in episode one of the whole series that the sanctity of life of candy people is something to be, uh, something to be valued. Yeah, the, the, the decorpsinator serum might not have worked as well on a candy person who had been chewed and digested. Right, exactly, and I think that they... It seems that candy people are generally allowed 
to die of natural causes and be buried and then yep. aren't being eaten. Um, so uh, I thought this episode was uh, interesting in the fact that, like you said this earlier, that this is a, a turning of the tables that Finn is the one in trouble and Jake has to spend a lot of energy to save Finn. Uh, he doesn't. He can't just hand wave it away, or as you said, sort of grow and or shrink enough, or uses magic enough to just solve the problem quickly. He goes through a true a trial and doesn't learn anything, but it certainly did take a lot of energy. Yeah, but I I do think that we learned something though. I think that agreed. This agreed. irresponsible, unfocused Jake is the real Jake. We've we've seen him sort of be like that before but this episode was really about confronting that and what it means and you know frankly the only reason that finn is okay is because party god helped jake it's not really clear that jake ever would have made his way to the gnome's inner sanctum to save finn uh just on his own because he can't take more than a few steps without being distracted by a sandwich or a joke or god forbid a party which he's not leaving until you know, party God declares that it's time for him to leave. That's right. So we learned a lot about Jake. And I think in our next episode that we'll talk about, we'll learn a little bit more. Yeah. Season two, episode eight is called Crystals Have Power. That's right. And in this episode, Crystals Have Power, we open with Finn holding a giant cool looking pink crystal. I think he says it just, like, appeared at the front door or something. There's no real explanation for where it came from. I found it on the doorstep or something like that, yeah. And he's trying to do some research, which I also found funny about Finn. Like, he's doing actual research and not just whacking it with a sword or something. Although we didn't see him. Maybe he, maybe that was the first thing he tried. But when we find him, he is actually looking it up in a hollow book, which is essentially right. a digital, some sort of uh, hologram-based encyclopedia. Yeah, it's a little uh, little science project for Finn. Yeah, but Jake is not super not super into the crystal, and just says, uh, "You know what we should do instead is have a tough man competition." What else would you do? That's right. The tough man competition is a series of three, perhaps more, but we didn't get to see any more. But it's at least three trials um, <laughs> based around feats of strength of of a kind. The first is what can you break over your knee? Apparently, <laughs> Finn I think loses by breaking a stick over his knee, while Jake breaks an entire couch over his knee. Yeah, even Bo Jackson couldn't beat Jake. Yeah, the second trial is withstanding pinch torture. I suppose. Yes. Uh, yeah, Finn. Which Finn which tra- man? That really took me back to Camp Abe Lincoln. Where? Oh yeah. That for some reason I I don't know I must it must have been like first or second grade I was going to Camp Abe Lincoln and there was this this thing that everyone wanted to do at Camp Abe Lincoln which was like prove how tough you are and how much pain you can deal with and so you would like give someone your arm and then they would give you like a a rope burn or a snake burn or whatever it was called and you sure. just had to like smile at them while they did it and it was really horrible little boy stuff and looking back on it i i it, it just is it is so stupid and terrible but i do think that it's probably something that boys do and so finn and jake go ahead and do the same thing you know you can't pinch me so hard that you're gonna make me show that i'm in pain that's right 
Um, <laughs> I'm kind of glad I didn't go to Camp Abe Lincoln now. Yeah, no, Camp Abe Lincoln was a terrible place. I'm going to come out and say it. You know, it may be a controversial stance. I think the Camp Abe Lincoln may hold a, a, a special place in the hearts of some people who grew up in the Quad Cities, but it was a terrible, terrible place. <laughs> there were there were there were many mornings that Norm Bauer couldn't get me to get into the carpool to go to Camp Abe Lincoln for day camp. <laughs> this is turning into more of a cathartic episode than I thought it would. It's a hellhole. <laughs> All right. Well, uh I cannot comment, so I think I'll just move past this. Yeah, so they're they're toughing out. They're they're having their tough guy competition. They are having their tough guy competition. The third of which uh, is straight up wrestling, and the third trial that is is straight up wrestling. And Finn has a Finn gets Jake into a headlock, but then Jake, maybe unfairly, but it seems to be okay with Finn that Jake starts using his magic powers to break out of the headlock, but he gets he uh, he gets a little out of hand. He grows too big and flattens Finn against the floor to the point where Finn is unable to breathe and is is a is actually in a lot of physical distress. Fortunately, Jake realizes this before it gets too dangerous, but the damage has been done and Finn has to go lay down. He's so he's he's been crushed so much. Yeah, I think Finn has committed sort of a classic mistake. Don't don't start a land war in Asia and don't start a tough guy competition with a magic dog. Yeah, don't don't bring a non-magic body to a magic body fight. <laughs> the repercussions is that he needs an entire day to recuperate. He he kind of weakly makes his way to bed, but this this sends Jake into a bit of a a regret uh uh, yeah, regretting his actions kind of quandary where he is th- thrust back into his own memory of of a time another time when he overreacted or got out of control he can't control his own power yeah couldn't control his own power and he we get a glimpse into jake's childhood and we see jake standing over the unconscious body of a brother that we had not met before seymour is that the brother's name uh germaine 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 is a better name than seymour uh (laughs) his brother germaine is unconscious they're both wearing boxing gloves so it was clear that they were in some kind of tough man competition scenario similar to what jake and finn were doing but they were boxing and germaine is unconscious and Jake's dad is standing over them, and Jake is genuinely upset that he let himself get out of control, but his dad takes an interesting tact from a parental standpoint and says, no, it's it's good that you got out of control. He also has, like, a, a mid-Atlantic, like, Catherine Hepburn accent. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> nah, it's sort of like, uh, yeah, like, nah, see? <laughs> <laughs> he's wearing he's also wearing a fedora uh so he's like straight out of a 1930s 1940s film uh yes he is and, and he says uh no you gotta you see you, you gotta get out of control because that's just who you are you're always gonna get out of control you're never you shouldn't you should always lose control of your powers and jake says but i don't want to hurt people and the dad just says no you're gonna hurt people you're gonna hurt everybody <laughs> 
Yeah, just the way it is, bud. It's, it's the way it is. You're going to hurt everybody. And that's this horrific childhood memory that Jake has been holding on to this whole time. And we didn't know it. But he makes a vow then and there that he is no longer going to hurt anybody from that moment forward. And from that point of the episode forward, uh, we get to deal with the repercussions of that decision. Yeah, so just as Finn was inspired by Billy to try nonviolence, Jake is inspired by his own traumatic memory to spend an episode being nonviolent. Right. And so we, we wake up the next morning. Finn has recovered, but Jake has informed him that he will no longer be uh, hurting people. And he shows this by changing his own body shape into that of basically sort of a puddle of goo. <laughs> <laughs> and, and which Finn immediately just says, hey, man, you look like a wuss. And Jake, and Jake says, yes, I do. That is what I am. Did I you am. Uh, did you catch the line when Finn was kind of trying to make Jake feel not so bad, and Finn said, "Oh yeah, you didn't make me have to go cry into my pillow for thirty minutes or anything." <laughs> right. Yes. Uh, yeah, I did catch that. I liked it. It was a very vulnerable uh, moment from Finn. Yeah, un, un, uncharacteristic vulnerability. So once once Jake has declared his 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 desire to be nonviolent. Uh, Something strange happens to the crystal that Finn had been looking at earlier. It starts to glow, a bright, bright color, and then all of a sudden, a doorway, a magic doorway, appears out of the crystal. And three crystal golems sure. walk out. Yeah. yeah. Three crystal, crystal golems walk out, and they ask, which one of you is Finn? And Finn says, well, I guess that depends on who's asking. Are you good or bad? <laughs> and they cut, the golems kind of look to each other and go, uh, good. And then Finn, trust him, trusting them implicitly, says, oh, then I'm Finn. Yep, I'm Finn. And Pleased to meet you. You're good, so I'm just going to go ahead and trust you. Yep. <laughs> and, and, and immediately the golem says, grab him. And they, they kidnap Finn and walk back into the magical doorway from whence they came. And Jake is... Again, in the same scenario he was in the previous episode, Finn has been kidnapped, and he has to go chase and, and help him. But it's an entirely different, self-imposed problem that Jake is facing in this episode. I think the juxtaposition between the two episodes is fascinating, personally. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think, it's, I think it's really good. I think it's both scenarios are help us learn a little bit more about Jake. Uh, so let's, let's keep going. We... We learn that the magic doorway is one that takes Jake and Finn to a, another dimension, a crystal, a crystal dimension, I guess we can call it. Yep, that's fair. One where all things are made of crystal. And Jake arrives to see that Finn has been captured and placed inside a crystal bubble, and they're not sure what he's what he why he's been in prison but Jake says I've got to save Finn but I can't hurt anybody so I am going to have to solve this problem with with calm confrontational speaking 
Right. And, and the the way that Jake handles nonviolence compared to the way that Finn handled nonviolence is uh, they, they really could not be more different. Finn is out there essentially empowering violence in others, and Jake decides that nonviolence means... A, a very stern talking to ought to get the job done. <laughs> right. So Jake rolls his goo-like body up to the first crystal golem, who is, and then has a very, I think, nonchalant conversation. I, I really liked the, the crystal golem characters. They were very, uh, just the way they were portrayed, I think, was hilarious. They're basically just henchmen of a sort, but... Are, fu- are fully willing to let Jake in on the whole plan because they're basically, they kind of, I think they just don't see him as a threat, fr- frankly. Yeah, they're kind of just crystal bros and, you know, they're not worried about some dog trying to mess with them. Right. Uh, so Jake, Jake asks what they're doing with Finn and it's explained that, he is, that Finn is going to be turned into crystal, into a crystal boy. And... They proceed immediately using their magic wands or magic tasers to start turning Finn into a crystal being. And yeah, which is terrifying, quite frankly. It's terrifying and perhaps even hurts Finn. It, but as he gets tased, he screams in agony. Yeah, he seems terror. to be in real pain. And, and then just the idea of, like, I don't know, I, I've always had a a fear of things that sort of like take over your body or your mind. Like this isn't totally analogous, but when I saw Star Trek first contact, the one with the Borg for the first time, I had nightmares for like two weeks. And so, you know, watching the crystal sort of like creep up Finn's arm was really, ugh. I, I, I didn't, I didn't handle it super well. That's crazy that you went Star Trek I was going to go Star Trek 2, but a different one. Um, it, I don't, I can't remember which, which of the movies. One of the first couple of movies with the... Um, oh, with V'ger. With the, yeah, with the brain-eating bug that takes oh, over oh, the Oh, okay. Yeah, that's, that's Wrath of Khan. Okay. I, yeah, I thought you were yeah. going to go with V'ger, which is the like sort of uh, non, non-carbon-based life entity that they find in space that like takes over the body of an enterprise crew member but then in 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 Star Trek 2 Wrath of Khan Khan puts those yeah those creepy crawly earbugs into Chekhov and and the other guy uh yeah. as as Khan says it it makes them susceptible to the power of suggestion That's right the earwig basically mm-hmm. uh yeah yeah I, I, when you started and you said uh, oh man things that take over your brain and then you said Star Trek. I was right there with you, but you went on a completely different pack. Tack, oh, man. But... The Borg is maybe the most terrifying villain that I've confronted in fiction. Really? Oh, yeah. It just scares the bejesus out of me, especially the first contact version where they, you know, they're assimilating people real quick with the nanoprobes. And, uh, oh, man. I mean, the idea of just like something that takes over your body or makes you you know, changes you fundamentally somehow in a way that you're completely out of control of is is terrifying to me. Literally two weeks of nightmares after seeing Star Trek First Contact. Man. Well, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm with you. I think that that is, that is an entirely t- terrifying concept. And I, I've seen another, seen other films used to 
excellent effect as well. So yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I had never, I don't think I had the same visceral reaction to the Borg that you did, but, but yeah, this, uh, this, this is clearly a bad, this is clearly bad news for Finn. Yeah, he's in pain and he's turned into crystal and there's nothing he can do about it. He's totally helpless. It was, it, it made me very uncomfortable. And if only Jake would just use his powers and overpower these crystal golem to, uh, to save him. But he has this self-imposed issue of not wanting to get out of control. Yeah, he has every ability to bust Finn out of that crystal bubble if he wants to. But yep. he has decided that if he can't do it through nonviolent means, then he's not going to do it because he, you know, he's worried that if he hurts one person, he's going to hurt everyone. Yeah. So we go through a series of watching Finn get closer and closer to being fully crystallized where Jake is trying his best to fight his inner demon of the desire to become uh, over uh, out of control and re- wrestling with that. And it, it, it manifests as a, an argument in his head between him and his, and his father of the, in the, in his past. Yeah. And, and it, it gets, it gets, it gets real for a while. And finally though, Finn or sorry, Jake has a conversation with his inner monologue father. Yeah. It's like Mufasa and the stars basically. Yeah. That kind of thing. Um, Jermaine even shows up. His brother Jermaine even shows up in this little dream sequence and We're he just goes dreaming like, at the same time. Yeah, Jake is afraid that Jermaine has died, and that's how he's able to speak to him. But nope, Jermaine just says, nope, we're just dreaming at the same time. And Jermaine informs Jake that he was he's fine. He was not traumatized. He was not ultimately hurt by that scene uh, we saw earlier with the boxing gloves. And then we learn from Jake's dad that if Jake would just let him finish a sentence, he would have heard the rest <laughs> He would have heard the rest of what he was trying to say to Jake, which is that he will hurt everybody. He will hurt everybody who is evil. Oh. And with this clarifying point, Jake snaps out of it and says, oh, I'm over it then. And is able to use his powers to then power his way into the, into the area where Finn is being held. But it's actually too late. Finn has been totally crystallized. Yeah, in fact, uh, they the the Crystal Bros just let him in because Finn has been totally crystallized, and then Jake has the conversation and he whoops up on the on the Crystal dudes. But it, but you're right, it's it's too late. We've got a a Crystal Finn, and and Jake is understandably distraught. Right. Uh, it should be clear clarified. Crystal Finn is not a dead Finn. It is just that he is now made of crystal. Right. Jake did think that he was dead, but Finn just kind of says, no, I'm just crystal stiff. That's right. But we still don't know why the Crystal Bros decided to turn Finn Crystal, but we quickly learn. And it is because... We hear a familiar voice. Yeah, a callback to one of the first episodes that we watched in season one. We see, we get a return of Tree Trunks. She's back! She is back, but she is back in a in a badass kind of way. <laughs> uh, 
she exited the the first time we see tree trunks she exits this exits the episode by eating a crystal magic apple and blinking out of existence it seems like she dies but we learn that she did not die she was actually transported here to the crystal dimension where she became an all-powerful queen that's right all of the crystal men are in love with her yeah and man the return of tree trunks and her crazy, weird, sexualized grandma voice is it just brought back all of the all of the same weird like just weird me out vibes that tree trunks gave me in the first time I saw her yep she she's in the crystal dimension and she's got big crystals for eyes, and she can fly, but she's still just the same sexy grandma she was when she left <laughs> that's right and uh it, but and she has one desire, and that is Finn. It, it turns out that all of the crystal bros in this dimension are in love with tree trunks, and that's great and all, but she wants Finn, and so she is the one who had commanded the crystal golems to go and kidnap him, bring him here, and crystallize him so that he could become her crystal king. Yeah, man, and and this is... It, it's so weird and disturbing. Yeah, I have no idea how old tree trunks is, but she definitely oh, man, yeah. sounds like a grandma... And she's definitely making a 12 or 13-year-old boy her king. And she definitely talks a lot about how sexy he is. <laughs> yes. Yes, she does. All of those things are true. I I was completely weirded out by it, too. I thought it was funny and completely weird. But Finn rejects the advances of giant magic tree trunks. And she does not take it well. She starts trying to shoot them with her crystal laser beam and disintegrate them. But as they're as they're fleeing for their lives, they realize, oh, that it must be the magic apple she ate. The crystal apple must still be inside of her, and that's what's giving her the powers. If we could just get rid of her, get rid of the apple, then uh, then we could figure that then we could save her and save ourselves. So Jake, who is now free of his inner turmoil. And is totally fine with using his powers. Turns his fo- foot into a giant cowboy boot, and kicks the bu- kicks tree trunks' belly, which Heimlich maneuver style dislodges the crystal apple from her throat, and she immediately returns back down to her normal self. Uh, she has no longer has magic powers, and is in fact she is a little embarrassed at how she had been behaving. Yeah, she's just normal small elephant sexy grandma tree trunks now instead of <laughs> yep. giant flying crystallized sexy grandma tree trunks she tells finn that she had just wanted him because she he had always been so nice to her but she apologizes for treating him that way and then says let's all head let's let's head home it's it's apple pie time which the way that she says that, man, like... Oh, she, man, yeah. It, it's, it's. Uh, I mean, this the double entendres and the sexy grandma stuff, when she says, and Finn, when we get home, it's apple pie time. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's all kinds of wrong. <laughs> but they. that's where our episode ends. They leap back through a portal, back to their own world, uh, and that's where we leave the heroes and, and tree trunks, returning back home. With the with the status quo being returned to returned to normal, yeah. So 
Actually, I do think that Jake might have learned his lesson in this one. Yeah. He didn't... He did, but he didn't, like, overcome his actual inner turmoil. Again, it was a sort of... Sort of a Deus Ex Machina situation, like 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 Mufasa style. Like the yes. dad just clarified. Like it wasn't like he actually. It wasn't that his desire to save Finn helped him overcome his own inner fears. It was just like, oh, here's a convenient workaround for yeah. But to I get do think that problem. he he gained some confidence in his own ability to control himself. He realizes that. He's not. Prob- he's probably not going to actually hurt everyone. He's just going to hurt everybody yeah. who's evil. And so it's perfectly okay to use your magic dog powers for good and to harm evil people. So I don't know. You know the the juxtaposition between powerful Jake can't focus and powerful Jake refuses to use his powers because he's worried that he can't control them. You know, these two very different yet entirely fitting into Jake's personality obstacles that he faces to saving Finn. I thought in these back-to-back episodes they really worked well together. Yeah, and I, I think that they address some major issues. That, not issues, I guess, but it's like some... If you wanted to poke holes in the logic behind the show, the fact that there's this all-powerful dog that is present all the time that should be something that just makes any problem solvable. So yes. by giving him by giving him these issues and things that he needs to overcome and establishing that he he has his own faults and his own limitations makes him a character that is interesting and not it doesn't fall into the superman trap of just being all powerful and therefore non-interesting. Yeah, I think Jake Maybe omnipotent, that's probably too strong of a word, but he is certainly not perfect. He has personality flaws that keep him from using his powers in in what would, frankly, you're right, be a very boring way. Yeah, Uh, but very nice thematic couple of episodes, uh, thematically tied and and well executed. And yeah, we learned some nice things about Jake. I thought that these were both fun episodes as well. I think we had a good time. Uh, I mean, Tree Trunks, the return of Tree Trunks is, so, I don't know, welcome isn't the right word for me. It's, <laughs> it's uncomfortable, but I'm very happy she's back. Yeah, and and just being able to meet the party god was worth it for the first episode. <laughs> so um, I, I have one question for you. This sure. second episode, the, uh, yeah. the crystals have power. It, is that an episode that you would feel comfortable letting Dave watch? It struck me as the most adult episode that we have seen so far. Now, granted, the the, the torture and the turning into Crystal, uh, I think, was somewhat uniquely terrifying and disturbing for me. But then we get sexy Grandma Tree Trunk showing up, you know, and, and removing any doubt, I, I think that there is definitely an adult understanding of this episode, if not an outright adult meaning behind this episode. What did, what did you think about that? Is, is, is Dave watching this one? Uh, no, I don't think so. And I think you're right. I think it's more tree trunks that I had a problem, like that it would have been like, I just don't want to deal with explaining tree trunks to him, <laughs> yeah. to my four-year-old. <laughs> Um, you're right. It's an adult episode. Yeah, I, 
like when tree trunks said the word sexy uh-huh it it threw me out like it it made me feel uncomfortable and especially the fact that she's saying it about a boy <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, no, I wouldn't watch this. It's funny that you asked the question, though, because I have watched now a few episodes with my wife, and she's asked me, like, do you think David, would, my our son, uh, would like this? And I think on a level he would. Like, I, there are definitely episodes that I'd be that he definitely would like, but as a whole, I'm not sure that he would stick with it. But I think it is. It, it would tap into the absurdist humor that little boys you know basically live on yeah there's definitely uh, a, a cartoon level on which you can appreciate adventure time if you're four years old um this episode though i think the in a lot of the cartoon episodes we can read some adult themes into them but right they're they're just straight up in your face in this episode Mm-hmm. i mean is it any different, or is it is it somehow different than all of the sexuality that has been that's pumped into like Looney Tunes, like when Bugs Bunny dresses up as a girl bunny, and like there's clearly sexual overtones that occur, like the wolf and his eyes bugging out and things yeah. like that. Like, I mean, sex in cartoons has been there the whole time, so I don't know that, that we're treading new ground. It's it's just something that's yeah. Been part I of think it. that there's a difference between you know the the wolf with his tongue lolling out and his eyes bugging out as this sort of metaphor for a universal, you know, portrayal of male sexuality as sort of out of control and animalistic, and that gets reflected in in cartoons. And it's almost, I think, certainly when the cartoons were made, it would have been seen as harmless for children to be internalizing this view of male sexuality I don't think that Bugs Bunny ever says the word sexy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Doesn't come out right and say it. Yeah. Hmm. Well, yeah, at any rate, no. I, Dave is not watching this episode. Okay. It's too grown up. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I want to watch this episode again, frankly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've got good news for you because I, I get the impression that you also like tree trunks, and I definitely like tree trunks, and you don't have to rewatch this episode to see tree trunks again. Oh, good. Just, oh, good. Well, I do like tree trunks. She does make me laugh uh, in uncomfortable ways, but she does make me laugh, so uh, I will look forward to the next time we see tree trunks. So, real quickly, is this uh, Big Brother Jake? experiencing these difficulties in these episodes? I think so. I think you could definitely make a case and perhaps this is Finn wrestling with wrestling with the idealized version of his big brother versus the real version of his big brother like under make maybe it's Finn sure getting more aware that uh that Jake is a human in his you know in the world that the meta theory exists in and that uh has limitations and can't be and while is can still be idealized as some sort of all protecting and all powerful force uh actually has limitations that are deeper than Finn originally understood. Yeah. Yeah, I think that works. And uh 
these two episodes, seven and eight of season two, where they where they put you along the spectrum? Um, you know, I thought they, I think they made me, I, I moved me forward, moved me forward. Um, I, I think I'm starting to like Finn episodes more, or like, I, I think I like Finn more than, uh, it's weird to say like Finn more than Jake, cause they're sort of, they're, they're a part and parcel you have to take them both yeah but um but i think i like the finn episodes a little bit more just because i'm i'm now getting more used to the uh the sense of just like crazy adventure crazy let's let's take an action without 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 thinking about the consequences is kind of like the the whole the whole point of the show at this point and I'm starting to see the I'm starting to see the the humor in those episodes. So uh, I think these two episodes were good. I don't know that I'll call them my favorites. Tree Trunks is fun whenever I see her, but move me forward, and I'm I'm looking forward to some maybe some lighthearted stuff after this though. Yeah, I liked these episodes a lot as well. Well, I maybe not as well. I like these episodes a lot. I thought that the the way that they taught us things about Jake and maybe even taught Jake some things about himself was, was really good. So, uh, these get thumbs up from me. They, uh, if, if I'm moving along the spectrum with you or alongside you, uh, I think I may have moved a little farther in the positive direction than you did, but, uh, sounds like we're more or less on the same page regarding power animal and crystals have power. Yeah. Oh, good stuff. Right. So I guess that just about wraps up Podventure Time, episode number 19. Here's the part where we remind you of certain things like our Twitter handle, at Podventure Time, our Facebook page and our Facebook group. Holler at us on the internet. Let us know if we're doing good things or bad things. Let us know if you want a postcard. We have postcards that we are more than willing to send to you if you just say something to us. And, uh, of course, I am going to send a postcard to... My friend Will Yates, the electronic musician who gave us our intro and outro music. It's called Date Night. It is off of his EP, I Know the Feeling. It's one of his two EPs that are available at willyates.bandcamp.com. So go pick those up and say thank you to Will for making our show sound great, at least at the beginning and the end. <laughs> yeah. Well done, Will. Sorry, All right. that we ruined, sorry that we ruined your song in the middle there. <laughs> Well, it it will be for me anyway, always associated with Podventure Time, and hopefully that will be true of the world someday as well. Indeed. All right. Well, then uh, our 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 plan to take over the world will continue next week. Uh, but until then, of course, I have been Pat, and I have been Ben, and this has been Podventure Time. Finn, it's not sexy for a king to call his queen bananas. Thank you.